The history of art is the history of plagiarism. Coming up on Velocity Talk, remix culture, an exciting new development? Or sign that genuine creativity is rare. Picasso said all art is theft. James Joyce said, I'm quite content to go down to posterity as a scissors and paste man. Isn't stealing other artists' ideas just laziness? I'm sorry of ideas, I'm painting soup cans and bananas, for Christ's sakes. Hasn't everything been done already? Art is a continuum. It's an endless river that we pull from. Our guest is David Shields, author of Reality Hunger, a Manifesto. It's all been done Remixing reality, art and literature for the 21st century. This is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the First Congregational Church in Portland, Oregon. Our thinking originates down the coast, Stanford University. That's where Ken and I teach philosophy. Welcome, everyone, to Philosophy Talk. Now, today, it's remixing reality, art and literature for the 21st century. Remix, Ken, is all the rage these days. Remix is when an artist mixes pieces from other people's work together and calls the result his or her own. Some people claim that absolutely everything is a remix. Now, if that were literally true, it would imply that nothing new is being created anymore. Yeah, but John, the mistake there is that everything, a remix is a new thing. It's just a new thing that results from the creative transformation of old elements into new things. Now, you know, I know that people like to think of remix as a distinctively 21st century thing, but just think about it. Great creators have been producing remixes, well, practically forever. Think James Joyce. Think Oscar Wilde or Shakespeare, even the writers of the Gospels. Remixers all. Yeah, but now 21st century technology makes it so easy to be a remixer. You don't have to be a great artist. You don't have to have an idea. Any kid with a music collection can compose a mashup and post it on YouTube. Not much creativity or originality in that, can. I don't agree. That, it just means art has been democratized. But that doesn't mean it's less creative. I, I recently heard a mashup of Adele set fire to rain and Daft Punk something about us. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. That's your words, Ken. I'm going to have to play you some Beethoven or, or the Beatles, you know, or even Bruce Springsteen, you know. But let's say there are good mashups. Surely for every good mashup, there's a hundred of mess-ups. The whole remix thing is a recipe for endless lawsuits and derivative 
mediocre pseudo art. It's the Hollywood disease. The Hollywood disease. Hollywood makes sequels of sequels of prequels of sequels, remakes of remakes, copies of copies of sequels of prequels. They can't, they don't have any new ideas. They have no new stories to tell. All of the originality, gone. Oh, John. Gosh, you've got romantic, outmoded ideas about creativity and originality, that's all. Well, yeah, outmoded. I happen to think that creativity and originality are the products of people with ideas, of creative geniuses, people with a unique vision and a voice of their own. Am I romantic? Probably so. I don't see that that's outmoded, though. It is outmoded because it doesn't work that way. It never has. Even the most creative genius is just a kind of point of convergence for multiple lines of influence. Ken, are you turning all postmodern on me? Look, 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 here's an analogy, John. Compare writing a novel or composing a piece of music to curating a museum exhibition. Uh, you, even you wouldn't deny the originality and creativity of the curator just because she arranges other people's artwork, would you? No, some of my best friends are curators. Yeah, so, and well, you should not. <laughs> look, that's because, look, the exhibition itself is a work of art. It's a, sure, it's a new and distinctive work of art, and it contains other works of art, but it isn't reducible to them. It's a brand new thing. What in the world's that got to do with novels or poems or music? Because artists, every single one of them, always and forever, are merely curators. When they create a work, they're just putting on display uh, various lines of influence. Some are just more self-conscious and explicit and open about it, and some are unconscious of it. Yeah, but there's a huge disanalogy. The curator of a museum isn't ripping off all the artists she's curating. There's a bright line between the creative work of the curator and the creativity of the works of art that are being curated. Novels or movies or music that directly incorporate the works of others without credit blur these lines, often intentionally. Well, you know, there is a problem there, but it's only because of the law. I mean, you've got to admit that there are a lot of brand new works of art forever have been built on even incorporating other works of art. Well... Maybe I should keep an open mind as a last resort. Sometimes it's helpful. <laughs> I will admit that lots of people influenced by beliefs like yours are actively doing that sort of thing and calling it art rather than theft. And I guess it would be sort of fun to take an hour and look at the efforts and arguments before passing my final judgment. Well, and with that begrudging acknowledgement, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Caitlin Ash, to mash up some real-life mix-up. She found one that strikes very close to home. She files this report. This is Philosophy Talk. The program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. Tune in for Philosophy Talk. The program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. We're coming to you from the Mars Theater in Berkeley, California. We are coming to you live from the Montclair Presbyterian Church in Oakland. Our topic today, gay pride and prejudice. Our topic today, Presbyterian Gay Pride and Prejudice. This podcast from a church in Oakland, California, borrows liberally from a 2011 episode of Philosophy Talk. But they retold the script to make it fit into a sermon about acceptance of gays in the Presbyterian church. I first found that completely accidentally. I don't even remember how, and I remember listening to it and thinking, 
What is this? Couldn't this be serious? Our host, Ken Taylor, and other members of our team had varied reactions to Montclair Presbyterian's acts of appropriation. When I first heard it, I thought it was hilarious. I spent several days editing that show. I remember the lines that the hosts and their guests said very well. And to hear them performed by other voices was a little creepy. I believe I was in my car and... I just remember thinking, oh, this is great. Reverend Beth Buckingham Brown scripted the Presbyterian version of the show. She recalls hearing our episode on the radio just before the Gay Pride Parade in San Francisco. When I heard it, I thought, wow, we could really do that and change it up. We can do it and do it in a way that it connects with the church. So she did. She got a few members of the congregation to play the hosts and the roving philosophical reporter, and she recruited another reverend as the main guest. And Reverend Beth herself was part of the show. Rather than just stand up and tell my story and assume that everybody wanted to hear it, I thought that an effective way to do that would be through the Philosophy Talk format and have the roving reporter interview me. You see, Reverend Beth is a lesbian, and that hasn't always gone over well in the broader Presbyterian church. Several years back, another pastor actually brought a case against her. The pastor didn't believe an out lesbian should be leading a congregation. Reverend Beth says that's the story she most wanted to share with her radically inclusive church. When you remix in whatever way, people listen differently. To hear it in a different format meant that some of them were listening completely differently that day. I thought it was funny that our decidedly secular public radio show had been retooled for a religious audience. Church is not just about church. I mean, it isn't just about faith and belief and that kind of stuff. It really is about what does it all mean and what does it have to do with life and you and where do you fit in it? In other words, for Beth Buckingham Brown, church is a lot like what we try to do at Philosophy Talk. I love the tagline, right, about intelligence, you know, where we question everything except your intelligence. I love that. Reverend Beth wasn't really doing anything great artists and writers haven't done before her. Would Leonard Bernstein's West Side Story exist without Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet? For that matter, would Romeo and Juliet exist without Ovid's Pyramus and Thisbe? Inspiration could be called inhaling the memory of an act never experienced. Invention, it must be humbly admitted, does not consist in creating out of void, but out of chaos. I have to admit I appropriated those last two sentences from Jonathan Lethem, and he appropriated them from the composer Ned Roram and the writer Mary Shelley. Remember folks, cogito ergo blogo, I think, therefore I blog. <laughs> and for Philosophy Talk, I'm Caitlin Esch. Thank you.